found my focus soon as you came into view Highlight and expose the way I think of you Now it's clear as day just what I need to do Start just give it all that you got Cause you don't wanna miss this moment Ready or not You've got to shoot your shot Hey guys, thank you so much for joining me on today's episode of Shoot Your Shot Today's episode is actually marking the final episode of the three-part series that I started not all Asian weddings are the same, and you've guessed it. Today's episode is going to be about the most popular type of wedding, which is Sikh weddings. Now, Sikh weddings going from pre-events to post-events are probably the longest type of wedding that there is. And so that basically means today's episode is going to be absolutely jam-packed, full of information, loads of photography opportunities, I am going to go through some of the events that take place that don't necessarily require a photographer as well, just for information purposes, because it's always good to know. But I will point those out specifically to you so you're well aware of it. Another thing I just wanted to mention was obviously because I have photographed Sikh events, that does not necessarily mean that I know I know how to pronounce all of the events exactly as they are. So again, please do forgive me if I pronounce anything slightly wrong or I'm finding difficulty in pronouncing something. So do forgive me. I do apologize. It's not intentional, I promise. Okay, so let's get into this episode. We're going to start with the pre-events. And the first one that I have is the Roka. Now with the Roka, it literally translates into stopping. So it's surrounded around the idea of stopping any more marriage proposals coming through. And that's what this particular event is about. So in the Sikh culture, whether it's a arranged marriage or a love marriage, the necessity of both parents' consent is absolutely essential. It's vital. And that's what this particular event is so to show that consent is given, especially from the bride's father, the bride's father will go and visit the groom and his family, taking with him a few very close relatives and give his full support to that union that is about to take place. Essentially, it's a bit of a informal engagement and it's just to show that I'm happy with you wedding my daughter and I give you my blessings. The way he does that is he applies a tilak onto the groom's forehead and they give the groom's family sweets, clothes, and sometimes also a kara, which is almost like a bangle, but it's a religious bangle that's given within Sikhism. It's one of the five Ks. The same ritual is then performed by the groom's father towards the bride, either later the same day or just a few days before the actual engagement ceremony is due to take place. So it's quite a informal engagement taking place. Generally speaking, this is not something that requires a photographer. So more than likely, it's not something that you will be booked for as a photographer. 
or asked to come out and shoot. The next ceremony that we have is the Juni ceremony. Now, this, on the other hand, is the actual official engagement, while the Roka, like I said, it was an informal engagement taking place. This is where both the bride and the groom-to-be are recognized by both families that they're soon to be wed. The groom, his relatives, his family take a beautiful red dress over to the bride's house and present that to her. They also bring jewelry and also a very simple chunni and makeup as gifts to present to her. So it's something that she can wear on the wedding day. Generally speaking, it's a usually a female relative who presents those gifts to the bride. And once presented, they will take the bride-to-be into a separate room, get her changed into that outfit and accessorize her and bring her back where the rest of the gathering is taking place and sit her next to the groom or sit her next to the groom-to-be. So the groom's mother would then drape a simple chunni over the bride's head and shoulders and apply some mendi onto the palm of her hand. She'll then go ahead and feed her some Indian sweets. Generally speaking, Ladu seems to be a popular choice. There's some families that ask the groom to also take a pinch of sandur and place it between the bride's forehead. This can symbolize that her status as a woman is now changing from being single to due to be wed or engaged officially. Once that's done, bride and groom will then exchange engagement rings. Both sets of parents will also feed bride and groom to be some Indian sweets and that will pretty much be the end of the ceremony. Now just to walk through that a little bit from a photographer's perspective I think once the juni and the outfits and gifts are presented to the bride I think that's a beautiful kind of picture to take just to get her reactions of seeing those outfits and receiving those gifts. Also when the groom arrives at the house also a very nice picture to take his first steps in due to be an engaged groom that's a very memorable moment for you to capture as a photographer as well especially when the chunni is being placed over the bride i think that's a beautiful shot so these are kind of pictures that you as a photographer need to take control of and ensure that they happen in the kind of manner where you can get the best shots and i think the rest of the ceremony should be quite candid but again it just depends on the type of style that you have as a photographer if there is potential of possibly having a couple shoot that day as well definitely go for it the next uh, pre-event that we have is the gurmai now this is an event that possibly takes place at the groom's house or at the gudwara normally involves a very close family and very close friends in order to celebrate the Granthi, which is referred to as the priest, would usually be the one to start the ceremony by offering a short prayer, which is called a Ardas, after which the groom's sister will put a wedding scarf around the groom's shoulders. They'll refer to that as a Balla around the groom's shoulders for when the bride's father puts a handful of dry fruits into the Balla and puts on a Gara onto the groom's wrist so a bangle onto the groom's wrist again these are very key and special moments so if you are asked to photograph this particular event these specific moments need to be captured take control of the situation 
ask the father-in-law to be to do it nice and slowly hold it there for a second recreate the moment if you need to but these are very key moments especially also having the pala around the groom's shoulders as well if the sister is doing that again take control of that situation and ensure that she takes her time in doing it and if you need to recreate that scenario definitely do that moving forward that particular event will usually end on the father of the bride and the groom-to-be exchanging flower garlands and that is pretty much the end of the event the next event that we have is the shagun and sahapatr which translates to invitations now this particular event is not something that you would be asked to photograph it's quite an informal event it's a very small event as well so more than likely as a photographer you won't be asked to photograph this but what this event involves is the bride's family will prepare a special invitation splashed with saffron for the groom's family a few of the key members of that family will take it to the groom's house and deliver the invitation with gifts that's usually sweets possibly clothes dry fruits fresh nuts and a coconut as well the purpose of this is to basically formally invite the groom and his family to let them know that the wedding preparations have begun and they want to celebrate all together so that's what this event basically is there's not too much for you as a photographer to photograph here the next thing within the Sikh ceremonies is the Akand Bath. Now, this is not so much a, an event. This is more something that is vital with regards to ceremonies which need to take place. So this is usually the family needs to read the entire Guru Granth Sahib within 48 hours nonstop before the wedding is set. Now, families traditionally are meant to do it themselves. However, it's very difficult to do that in the modern world. So generally speaking, someone is paid to read that within the 48 hours. Both families hold these prayers. So it's not something that is done either just on the bride side or just on the groom side. Both families have to do this and it's held separately. So two lots of the Guru Granth Sahib need to be read out within 48 hours. The purpose of this is to include in the celebration the importance of Sikhism, the religion, God, the teachings from the Guru Granth Sahib, and outlining the way of living just so that their union and their marriage is blessed. The next event is the Sangeet, the Lady Sangeet. Now, this is a really important event in Sikh and Punjabi culture. So, Punjabi songs are normally sung, which is a method of storytelling. That is passed down through generations and generations. Weddings are celebrated by singing these Punjabi songs and dancing with the new family. So originally, Sangeets were actually traditionally made for only the women. But as we've kind of progressed into modern times, guys now also join into this and sing and dance to DJ songs. And it's actually an event which you will be photographing. It's basically a beautiful celebration that the families hold. And it's really fun. It's really lighthearted. There's nothing too formal about it. It's very much like a Mendi in other cultures where you just celebrate with the people that you love. Okay, the next pre-event is the Mayan. That's also referred to as the Vatana. Now, 
For this, a square design is made on the ground using colorful powder, creating a square on the ground. The design itself can be creative or it can be pretty simple and it's usually made by hand by relatives of the family, of the bride or the groom, but from the maternal side of the groom though. The next step of this is stool is then placed on either side. But all of these things are things that you can photograph. You may not be asked to arrive whilst the design is happening, but if you are, take the photograph while people are enjoying themselves and setting up. The bride and groom will then be asked to come in, sit on the stools that are facing each other on opposite sides, and they will be holding a decorative tray filled with the essentials to carry out the Mayo rituals. Ascentic turmeric dough mix, which is referred to as the vatana, that is made out of barley flour, turmeric powder and mustard oil, is applied to the groom first by his friends and family, and then to the bride by her friends and family. Garni, so what that basically is, is a red thread with beads on there, or sometimes it's just plain, are handed out to all the ladies that are attending, and a red journey is then held over the bride and groom's heads by four women and they're holding them at each corner. The relatives will then take turns in rubbing the vatna all over the bride and groom until they're completely covered. Once everyone's had their chance to apply a bit of the vatna onto the bride and groom, the mother will try to feed playfully a rice and sugar mix to the groom, while a sister-in-law will playfully kind of bat her hand away and stop her feeding him. So this is quite a fun feature of the Mayan ritual and it's just something to kind of break the ice and bring the families together and celebrate the occasion. So after this, both the bride and groom are then taken inside with the trays that they've been holding in order to carry out the ritual of the Mayan. The mother then jumps over the Rangoli design seven times and then by pouring a bit of water, collects the dough together and forms a paste out of it. She will then throw the paste over the house and leaves a handprint of the paste onto the side of the house just to indicate that this is a wedding house. Later during the day, after the mixture's dried off, the bride and groom are showered in milk and water, and that concludes the event. Generally speaking, you will be there whilst bride and groom are having the vatna spread all over them by their relatives, and you may be there when the mother is throwing the paste over the house as well. Again, very key moments for you to take pictures of. But this event is a very fun, upbeat and lively, bright event, especially with the pastes and with the dough. And this is actually one of the first official events where both bride and groom are together and both families are there as well, aside from the actual official engagement. The next event is the Jago. Now, Jago actually literally translates to wake up. So back in old times, especially back in India, it would wake up the villagers and invite them to the wedding. It would wake them up by going around the village, dancing, singing, decorative pots with the diyas all over them. However, these days in modern times, Jago is generally collaborated with the Sangeet night. There are cases where the bride will have her own Jago and the groom will have his own but I find that a lot of couples do tend to do it together. The bride and groom and all their relatives and friends usually dress up in traditional Punjabi attire, and it's a night filled with fun. The entire purpose of the jago is to just make lots of noise, party, enjoy yourselves. 
this is something that I love about Sikh weddings and Sikh culture. So many of their events are just so fun to be around and be a part of. The Jago is essentially a huge party and you will have loads of opportunities to take so many candid shots of this particular event. So this is where you really demonstrate your candid game and get some beautiful shots. The next event is the Mendy ceremony. Now, generally the Mendy takes place two days before the actual wedding. The female relatives and close friends of the bride are invited to take part in this particular tradition. This is where the henna is applied to the bride in various different designs. The henna itself, though, is usually in a lot more detail than the rest of the ladies, just to signify that this is the bride, just to kind of outline that even further. Obviously, the bride's hands, arms, and feet are also decorated in Mendi. This possibly is an event that you will be asked to photograph because, again, it does involve lots of fun, lots of dancing. Nowadays, it is quite an occasion. There will be performances by close family and you will find that as the night goes on, it's just partying and everyone enjoying themselves. So again, lots of candidates for you to take as a photographer. The final event to take place prior to the actual wedding is the Jura ceremony. And traditionally, this takes place the evening before the actual wedding day. This is where the bride is taken to sit under a tent in the garden where she's surrounded by her maternal uncles and aunts so everyone on the mother's side she's placed in front of a big deep tray filled with milk and water maternal uncles will then open a set of wedding bangles put them into the milk and water and then turn by turn each uncle will take the bangles and place them onto the bride until she has a full set on both arms Generally speaking, it's lucky to have a order number on each hand. The maternal uncles will then place a red journey over the bride's shoulders and give her jewellery. This is basically a gift from the maternal side of her family. After this, the uncles and aunts are given milk to drink. Traditionally speaking, this is quite an intimate event, so you usually won't be asked to photograph this. But if you are, Again, there are very special moments there where the bride is with her uncles and they are placing bangles onto her. There's key moments there where it will be an amazing idea for you to obviously get close in, take those pictures, but not to be intrusive. So now we're moving on to the formal ceremonies, the wedding day. Now, this is the main day of all the events. So we start at the bride's house. She will be getting her hair and makeup done and once she's done she'll get into her traditional Indian lenga and escorted to the Gudwara prior to the arrival of the groom and his family and friends. She'll arrive there with her family and her friends and she will be essentially kind of tucked away for a little while until the groom makes his arrival and enters with his entire Bharat which is essentially his entourage. Moving over to the morning of the groom's house, once he's put on his wedding attire, he's then given a garban, which is essentially a sword. He will be expected to keep hold of that for the entirety of the day, and that actually symbolizes that he will protect his wife throughout their marriage. 
So this is actually a tradition that started back in India during the Mughal rule time. So it was during this time when brides were being kidnapped on their wedding days. So grooms then began to carry the garban in order to protect the bride's honor and to protect their wives-to-be. So that's where it originates from. So once he's been given the garban, he will then be assigned a sarwala, which is essentially a best man. The best man's duties are, as any other best man, anything that the groom needs or if he needs to kind of be neatened up at all, the best man will be there to take care of those necessities and essentially just be a right-hand man to the groom. Both the best man and the groom will be given garlands and fed Indian sweets by the groom's family. The groom's sisters will then drape a palla, which is a scarf, over the groom's shoulders and again will be fed Indian sweets by the groom's parents. The groom's sister-in-laws will put on a little bit of eyeline, which is referred to as surma or gall, onto the groom's eyes. This is to prevent the evil eye. So all of these wedding preps in the morning happening at the groom's house, these are kind of things that you will be expected to take pictures of, especially while the groom is getting his turban tied. There's another key moment where the sisters of the groom will come back to pin a galgi, which is a majestic kind of jewel, onto the groom's turban. That is a key moment. So you have to ensure as a photographer you are lining that up you're making sure you're controlling that situation you know who it is that's going to be putting the kalgi onto the groom's turban i would suggest getting a few different angles of that traditionally as well going back some years sisters would also be putting a sehra onto the groom's turban which is basically decorative beads covering the groom's face protecting him from the evil eye honestly that doesn't really happen too much in modern day Seek weddings but if it does it's something to be aware of and again make sure you get pictures of the interactions going on between the groom and his sisters and siblings once the groom preparations are done the groom will then leave his house with his friends and family and head out towards the gudwara the barat is then received by the bride's family and the guests at the gudwara the bride's sisters and close friends, they will be holding a large red ribbon normally just to prevent anyone coming in and they will be blocking off the entrance gates from the groom and his family to enter. Essentially, the groom has to cut and then enter. He'll not be given the scissors though until either he or his father places some money into a glass filled with water there's no set amount, but the sisters take this opportunity to tease their brother-in-law and try and ask for more, which is always fun. And again, as a photographer, getting these fun interactions really shows and brings an emotion into your photography. So it's a case of you will be jammed between the two sides, but try and make sure you're getting a clear view and the pictures you do end up taking they will be very candid, a lot of laughter, teasing and messing around. So these are very candid moments that the bride doesn't get to see. Essentially, you will be the bride's eyes of what went on. And these are moments that are going to be somewhat quite emotive. So make sure, obviously, you're getting clean, clean shots. As I said, the bride at this point is going to be in a completely separate room until the actual 
ceremony starts to take place. This is basically to keep the anticipation of being able to see her from the guests. Going on from that, a tradition then takes place called the Milni. Hugging, meeting each other, that's what Milni means. Both families essentially will get together in a large group in an open area, whether it's in the front of the Gudwara or if the Gudwara is quite open, perhaps inside. As a photographer, you need to try and angle this in a position where it's a nice clean shot. So if it does happen in front of the Gudwara, it may be a case of it's happening in a car park. Do it at an angle where you're not getting all of the cars parked up and getting a clean shot of the Gudwara in the background may be also an idea. So Milni is a formal introduction of the key members of each family and they will exchange garlands and sometimes they tease each other and try and pick one another up. You may have to get quite trigger happy with your camera at this point. The priest initially will recite a small prayer and then will call the names of relations from either side and they will begin from the eldest so for example from grandfathers down to the youngest of each side. They'll meet in the middle of the two sides of the family, exchange garlands and a gift perhaps. So once the Milani ceremony is complete, the Bharat is then led into the larger hall and this is where they are given their langar, which is them having breakfast and then head into the Darbar. This is the main hall where the ceremony is going to be taking place. The ceremony is referred to as the Anankaraj. So, the Anankaraj, this is where it all happens. The Anankaraj is essentially the union of the bride and groom with the Sri Guru Granth Sahib, which is the holy book for Sikhs, being the witness to this union. The relatives and guests from either side of the family will enter the Darbar and pay their respects to the holy book. And you'll see that by all of them lining up, whether it's two by twos or three by threes, they will come up, they will bow down to the book. And some people also leave some money as well as a gift. And once they've taken a seat, the ladies on the left-hand side and the men on the right-hand side, the groom and his parents will be the last to enter. So again, make sure you're positioned, getting the shots of guests coming and paying their respects. Once they've taken the seat, ensure that the walkway is quite free before groom and his parents begin to enter. The groom's going to enter holding a ramala, which is a rectangular square silk decorated cloth for the holy book as an offering. So as he pays his respect, he will then take his seat and the sisters of the groom will surround him and from the back remove his sehra and his galgi. That's if he has a sehra on. Like we mentioned before, that is a decorative bead covering his face. Just before the bride comes in, the groom is led to sit in front of the holy book. So he will have his back turned to where the bride will be coming in. This is an absolutely beautiful shot to take as a photographer. There's many different variations of it. You can take it from the side, you can take it front on. There are some restrictions of where you can and cannot walk. So make sure you speak to the priest and 
get a definitive area as to where you are allowed to and where you're not allowed to walk, especially with shoes. You're not allowed to enter the hall with shoes on. So take your shoes off. So traditionally, the bride is then escorted into the hall by her brothers and sister-in-laws. This is quite symbolic, actually, because in tradition, brothers are meant and seen to be as the protector of their sisters, especially in Indian culture. However, this particular tradition has actually developed now to the point where it may also be a case of bride wants to come in with her parents and her brothers. So you may see that happen too. Again, it's a very intimate moment. So different angles and different focal lengths, close-ups, wide angles, having the groom in the foreground with the bride in the background is also a beautiful shot for you to take. But these are all opportunities because the walkway, generally speaking, is a decent walkway. So you should be able to get a number of different angle shots. As the bride enters, she will also be holding a rumala. And this, again, would be a offering to pay her respects to the Guru Granth Sahib. She will then be seated next to the groom. And this will officially be their first look at each other as husband and wife-to-be on the wedding day. Sisters and sister-in-laws of the bride will sit behind the bride. This is for support, while the sisters and sister-in-laws of the groom will sit behind him again for the same sort of reason. The priests at the Gurdwara will ask the parents of both the respective bride and groom to stand while he recites a prayer. Everyone else is to be remain seated. After this, once everyone has sat down, the father of the bride is asked to come in front and perform a balarasam. This is where he will take one end of the balla of the groom and then tie it to the one end of the bride's balla. So essentially getting the two scarves from bride and groom and then tying them together. Or he will give his daughter's hand to hold to the groom. This is essentially the father giving away his daughter to the groom. The brothers of the bride will then stand around the altar with the Guru Granth Sahib in the middle for the lavan. Now lavan is essentially marriage hymns. This is where the priest would recite a hymn for each of the four lavans. Okay. The four lovens essentially take the bride and the groom through a journey that leads to a union with God and the union of husband and wife. These are both teaching and vows that they will take to seal their marriage. So after the priest recites a hymn for each love, the bride and groom will bow down and start walking around the altar clockwise. This is when each brother will take turns in holding and guiding their sister while the groom leads. This is quite a symbolic tradition. This shows that the brother will always be there for her whenever she needs them. They'd also do this walk for all four loves. So what are the four loves? The first one emphasizes on the duty towards a family and community. The second one will signify the stage of yearning and love for each other. The third love stresses the stage of detachment from the world. And the final love signifies the final stage of harmony and union in marriage when love between the couple blends into the love for God. So after the fourth love is recited, another hymn is sung to mark the marital union. A final prayer is then performed with all friends, family and guests, including the newlyweds. So this will basically conclude the marriage ceremony and the couple are now wed officially in the eyes of God. Once this is complete, everyone will then sit down. 
then both sets of parents will put a garland onto both bride and groom and give them some money as a blessing. Again, very intimate moments between parents and their sons or daughters. And again, welcoming each other into each other's families via blessings, via money. So again, ensuring that you have a perfect spot in order to take pictures is essential at this point because this is a very key moment. Then a sacred sweet food is distributed called the Karaprasad to everyone there. It's made out of wheat flour, sugar and ghee. Everyone will then leave to go to the Langar Hall and have food. That, in its official capacity, is the wedding day or the wedding ceremony that's complete. We're now going to move on to post-wedding. In post-wedding, we have coming up first the Dolly. So close family and friends, relatives of the bride and the groom will head over to the bride's paternal house for the Dolly. This is to signify the departure of the bride to her new home. The parents of the bride usually give gifts to the couple, such as maybe a watch for the groom. They'll give them sweets and feed them food. Traditionally, you may not be a part of this as a photographer, but if you are, these are going to be very candid shots. Again, very fun, but emotional times because it is a case of the bride is leaving this house now. When they leave to the new house, a bowl of rice is held in front of the bride and she will take a handful and throw it behind her, over her head in each corner of the house. This essentially marks a declaration that she is leaving her paternal home and taking nothing with her. As they begin to make their way towards the car to head over to Groom's house, each relative, friend and family member will individually meet the bride and they will say their farewells to her. Again, this is a very, very emotional part of the ceremony. So as a photographer, you should be no more than a shadow. You don't need to organize this. You don't need to ensure that people need to be standing in a certain way. The most I would do is maybe ask people, look, just kind of stay parted on either side. She will come and see you as she goes and you will have your opportunity to see her. But otherwise, these are very candid and very emotional moments, which as a photographer, I don't feel as though should be interrupted. The father of the groom throws money in front of the car traditionally and the car will begin to move. At this point, the brothers of the bride would be pushing the car a little from the back to bid her farewell. The next post-wedding ceremony will be the Pani Varna. So as a newlywed couple, the mother-in-law of the bride will be standing at the house front door and she will be standing there to welcome her and her son home. She will be holding a cup that is filled half with milk and half with water and she will move it clockwise and attempting to take a sip of it. After every turn, the groom will playfully try to stop her from taking a sip. Again, these are quite fun and interactive moments and very beautiful interactions between parents and their children. She will do this seven times and after the seventh turn, he'll let her drink it. This is essentially a way of blessing the bride and the groom. Oils then poured onto the sides of the door in order to welcome them. These kind of rasams and these kind of traditions are essentially quite playful and they symbolize happiness in the wedding house and the arrival of a new family member because that's what the bride is expected to be. She's not someone who is married to their son. She's someone that is a part of their family 
and it removes any kind of evil eye from the bride and groom before they step inside. Once they're inside, the groom and the bride will be given a glass of milk to share. The idea of sharing food and drink in Indian culture is said to increase the love between couples, so you'll often find that they will be sharing food. The final post-wedding ceremony is the reception. So in older times, the reception was essentially the bride's family would be the one providing the and groom's family and their guests a reception dinner and they would be the guests in the bride's hometown or village. In these days though, it's usually the groom's family who does this. It will be a reception dinner and it's a huge celebration of the union of the couple. It involves so many different kinds of entertainment. You will have performers, you will have people dancing, you will have live bands even and they will finish her off with dinner and more dancing. Receptions are done in various kinds of ways. It can be done generally as a cocktail hour that usually lasts between sort of 20 to 40 minutes. Guests will then take their seats inside of the venue and it will start with formal introductions of the bride's parents, her siblings, and any bridesmaids, followed by the groom's parents, siblings, and any groomsmen. And finally, the newlyweds will then enter. It will involve speeches, performances, and any kind of other entertainment that the groom's family have lined up. As a photographer, to some extent, it is a busy day, but it is mostly candid. Generally speaking, I always like to get an itinerary of the reception just so I have an idea as to what sort of performances I can expect, how many are there, how many speeches will there be, and also the order in which who is coming when, at what point. There will be dinner, cake cutting, and the night will end in everyone having a great time dancing and celebrating. So again, make sure you get an itinerary for each day but the reception and try and make sure that there's some time booked in there for a couple shoot as well because I feel like that's something that a lot of couples absolutely love. Those pictures will come out stunning and essentially they will be the first professional pictures of bride and groom as a married couple so they do have a special place so try and get those done as well. But that concludes the three-part series of not all Asian weddings are the same. I hope you guys have really enjoyed this series. I've really enjoyed it and I've learned so much as well. So if you would like me to do another series like this, please do let me know in my DMs and just let me know what kind of series you want me to do and we can look into maybe doing another type of series like this. Until the next time and until next week, I'll see you guys soon. Take care, guys. Found my focus soon as you came into view Highlight and expose the way I think of you Now it's clear as day